I'd been meaning to put up our interviews and all these other special talks uh, about catch wrestling up on some sort of uh, podcast platform, and I'd actually been looking around, and um, now I think Anchor.fm is uh, probably one of the best bets for you. Uh, you the inter- user interface has actually gotten much better. Um, it's free. They also have all these different tools, that, which I think work much better than they used to, uh, to edit and everything, so you can uh, put up a nice podcast, which we'll get more into later, so hopefully everything gets smoother later on. Um, also, they distribute your podcast for you, so it shows up on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google Podcasts, everything like that, and you can also get sponsorships. So uh, go ahead and check it out. Um, I'm Raul, this is the Catch Wrestling Alliance, and here we keep real wrestling alive, and I'm here with one of our uh, most esteemed guests, John Strickland. He is the founder and head coach at American Hook Wrestling. Welcome, John. Hey, Raul, how are you doing? Yeah, doing well, doing well. Um, Thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always a pleasure. Cool. So um, just want to let everyone know that uh, you're in South Carolina. And if anybody's interested on the in the entire Midwest to the East Coast, uh, go ahead and make the trip out to train with John if you can. And you can easily find him on Facebook, on American Hook Wrestling. Um, very easy. So, um, John, I want to try to uh, get your, your thoughts um, because... Uh, you're one of the people who was close to the late Dick Cardinal. So for those people, for those people who don't know, uh, Dick Cardinal was one of the legit catch wrestlers, and just you can, I think you can just consider him a wrestler, even though he like a, a complete wrestler because he knew not only real wrestling, like pinning people, but he also knew submissions very well. Um, I'd like to definitely get your thoughts on him because I know that you knew him very well. Um, yeah, so, <clears throat> you know, Dick was one of the few American old-timers that was still living, unfortunately, and of course he, he passed on Christmas Eve, but I mean, I'm trying to, I think there may be one or two guys still in the country, um, but I'm also, when I say that, when I say an American, and I want to emphasize that, not by just citizenship, but by like, like tradition, um, now, of course, August Set, who coached, uh, who was Dick's main coach uh, for hooking, um, was not from the states. He was from Estonia, and uh, even the the there was still there's always been conversations about where he maybe had learned himself. Uh, he did have a relationship with Wigan. Um, that went back and forth over a span of several generations of wrestlers because like Ben, that's how Ben Sherman, I think ended up over in the UK. And then, uh, Billy Riley had came over here to their gym. And, uh, so, and with Dick, uh, Dick had started wrestling at the YMCA. Like a lot of, uh, guys did, I guess in the early 20th century. Um, uh, and, uh, he, he was a good, had a good amateur wrestling background, and uh, and it was more of an amateur style, like catch as catch can, than really folk style. That's kind of evolved and changed over the years a lot. 
um, especially I'd say within our generation, it's, it's, it's been it's a little bit different. Um, and one of the things about Dick was that he, he was around a lot of good wrestlers. He had won the Pacific, he'd won a Pacific tournament. I think it was a Pacific Northwest tournament. And the prize was for first place was a free training session with, uh, a guy named Robin Reed. And, um, I won't go into all of Robin's background, but he was a 135er who could pin, you know, who pinned U.S. Olympic gold medalists and stuff that were heavyweights. So he obviously is a pretty good wrestler if he could do that at that size. And, uh, yeah, Rob, Robin is, a, is, he's still considered like one of the greatest American wrestlers of all time, I believe. He's still in like the top 10, right? Yeah, and I think even like, I think I had read in one magazine a few years ago, Mike Chapman had him listed really high. You know, some people might say he's the greatest, you know, amateur or maybe titled amateur wrestler in U.S. history. I, you know, again, I think that's kind of subjective, but uh, I think certainly when you look at his accomplishments, I mean, I, I would have to put him, I, I think I would probably put him at one, but, you know, but there have been a lot of good wrestlers there. Uh, and Dick. Even told me he, you know, he goes. I thought I knew something about wrestling, and then Robin Reed got me on the mat and kind of kicked me around. And uh, but he, he had told me, you know, essentially he got him hooked up with um, uh, August Sepp, and uh, August Sepp had came to Dick and said, you know, in those days it was a little different. Instead of like seeking out like we do today, you know, you seek out like whether it's jujitsu or you can catch whatever it is, you seek out somebody to train teach you coach you and those days the coaches found you you know it was almost like other sports like football for example you know like you're going to be drafted or baseball you're going to get drafted and it was almost like and the same thing that happened to billy wicks you know with with henry colin uh august set came to dick and said hey i'd like you to come try out with us and you know he's like here's here's an address come to this address at this date and time, whatever it was. And Dick showed up and it was August Sepp um, and Ben Sherman and Bud Anderson and Vic Short and um, some of the guys in their gym. And he, he, he told me uh, he, he, he was, a, he was short on profanity. It was one of the few words I ever heard him say, but he said he got his ass kicked pretty good. And, you know, and then he goes, of course they taught him how to hook, and he would call it shoot wrestling, which can be sometimes a generic term, you know. But he he's he said they of course taught him uh, what he'd done in amateur, pretty much had, and with Robin had pretty much plugged in exactly with what August showed him, and that and like Bud Anderson and the guys he was with, the guys in that gym would teach him, and of course that was for, uh, you know, not only. With, he goes to work for them, but that's because they're working, you know, these carny shoots and you know, doing these carny matches. And so they, um, you know, that's, he, he wrestled in the athletic shows full time for 10 years. That, that's a pretty long career in that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like taking on, um, basically any, any, all body types, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know that we get we get some tough guys. You know, uh, kind of the same stories that I would hear from other old timers in the U.S. You know, like 
you know, you get your, your you know, you just your tough guys, lumberjacks, you know, guys that were real blue collar. Uh, and, um, and then you, and then you get a, you know, every now and then you get a really good amateur, which he happened to him. And, uh, you know, he, uh, I think the guy was a, I think the guy was like a Pac-10 champion. He's like from the university of Washington and he got messed up <laughs> by Dick pretty bad in a, in a Cardi match. Yeah, it's a, I think a lot of times like the amateurs didn't quite understand the difference, right? I think a lot of times they'll think that they're amateur wrestling, which is good and gets you through a lot of tough situations, uh, but it might not get you through a, a match uh, with someone who's really good at like the wrestling and the submissions. Well, I think that was the key. It was like his, his story was similar to like Pops on a technical situation where, you know, this guy's got, you know, great amateur credentials, you know, and, you know, maybe, you know, because they're a little different than some of the matches that we do in the old days that would last several hours. And the carnies was different. So, like, as long as that person was last, like, the, every minute they lasted, they were getting paid, you know, so they're losing money if the guy lasts, lasts too long in the match. And, he, like, the, the hooks were really kind of the bullets that, that the amateurs didn't understand or know. So like, you know, what a, what a, you know, I know pops, for example, uh, Billy Wicks really enjoyed like letting amateurs go get behind him. And then he just double wrist lock them. You know, it was almost like a setup. Like they're like, Oh, this guy's going to be easy. You know, like I took him down, I got behind him and get, you know, throwing him legs. And then he, he, then he sticks them with something. So, uh, Dick had, had, I had talked about on in this in this actual shoot. I remember he had the guy shot in on his leg. Uh, it essentially, had kind of rolled through very fancy move, uh, and I guess it would be similar to like I think the hold in jujitsu is called a uma plata. It's like mm -hmm. a shoulder lock. Yeah, and yeah, he did it with the legs. The guy shot a the guy basically shot like a a a what would be similar to a sweep single and mm. modern understanding. And he, and he cut through and rolled and, and called a shoulder and, and messed him up. He called it a reverse double wrist lock with a leg. That's what he officially called it. <laughs> nice. And I, I think that's one of the things that's really cool. Like the, the terminology. So it's like, um, it's not necessarily the most precise thing, but then you, you know, it's, it's really interesting to hear the, the actual, like the way they'll describe it, you know, like using their terms, even like uh, Farmer Burns and his, his books and, you know, the mailings that he put out, uh, you know, the, some of the, some of the descriptions or titles of, or names of techniques can get really long because it's not like it's not like they had like specific names for everything. So then they kind of just have to describe it. Yeah, I think that was a. And a lot of times names are, you know, they're they can mean even in even in modern times, you know, like I say like, hey, you know, you know what a Tulsa ride is? Something like I don't know what that is, but I guarantee they know what that is. Mm -hmm. Oh, like I, I, I know this. I call like like six different things that I can think of. <laughs> you know, like yeah, they move. Uh, and or so, yeah. I think that was probably 
pretty commonplace. Um, but yeah, so you know, Dick had wrestled to the athletic shows for, for years, and then he, he he coached amateur, he coached high school wrestling. Uh, he helped uh, come up with a. Uh, and he, it was the coach who, who coached Larry Owing, who beat mm. Gable. Mm. That guy knew Dick and had talked to Dick about strategy for that match, and Dick had given him some pointers on that. Um, so that was uh, that was a uh, Mike Chapman had asked me about that, and I said I don't I don't I don't think you know Dick worked directly with. Owing, but I think he, that coach had given some uh, pointers of, of what, or like recommended what he would do wrestling Gable, mm-hmm. how he would approach it, and uh, you know, um, that's that's really as much as I know on that. But he, uh, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, it was. I mean, it was a tremendous wrestler, and uh, you know, Dick kind of he's kind of the. Uh, Norman Rockwell painting of the all-American grandfather type figure, you know, very, uh, very friendly guy, very easygoing guy, um, well-spoken, articulate, uh, but uh, very serious when he, when he was on the mat. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds great. So I think he, I think the fact that he, I think it's unfortunate that you know, you know whether you know someone like my age or even a little older or a little younger, you know we didn't know about this like in 1986 and kind of got in touch with him when he was, you know, gosh, probably close to my age now, or something, and you know, and of course I said the same thing about Billy Wicks. You know, it's like it's unfortunate, like the catch craze kind of, the catch craze kind of started when all the old timers are kind of, uh, old, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So that was, uh, and when I, you know, we talk about, you know, so that's when I talk about the roots of Americans. Like, I mean, Carl Gotch was an American and I don't think, well, Billy Robinson, I don't think he was an citizen technically, was he? Um, but, um, but, you know, of course, Robinson had learned in England and Carl had learned in England. And I mean, I mean, Carl learned something in America too. Uh, so I think he, and I think that's the thing about it. Actually, all a lot of those guys, I, I can't really speak much on Robinson. I don't know much about his background, but like, you know, Dick had, uh, you know, I mean, August was the head guy, but he learned a lot from like Bud Anderson and Ben Sherman and, you know, um, had a good wrestling pedigree. And it's similar to Billy Wicks. I mean, where, you know, say like Henry Colin and actually would, you know, Billy one time he told me uh, a couple years before he passed said he probably learned as much from Joe Pazendak as he did anybody. Uh, but uh, but his you know introduction to it all and the real solid training he got up to that point was from Henry. I don't think it was like same thing for Dick. I don't think it was like they they just needed to learn from somebody else. But I think it was just one of those paths where you know. They picked up stuff here and there, that kind of thing. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, actually, um, speaking of that, though, um, I think you touched on a lot of different um, uh, subjects that 
like can kind of talk about the kind of the pieces or kind of the puzzle of what is like now modern amateur wrestling because um, right. I know you've been researching a lot or like uh, looking at a lot of the old rule books, a lot of the old pictures, which are actually really fascinating um, with regards to amateur wrestling in the United States, because um, like at, in those times, in those, like in the earlier decades of the 1900s, uh, what we know of as amateur wrestling actually even was a little bit different, or they're actually still trying to find their way, right? Like a lot of times there would be uh, even a ring or, or a mat. So can you kind of tell us about some of that? Yeah, um, actually, you know, this is something I've been working on. Excuse me, I need to plug this in real quick. Uh, the okay, so the amateur wrestling has changed tremendously uh, since the early 1900s when it was first became an NCA sport. Wrestling, similar to boxing, is one of those sports where you know. Um, it was a professional sport to start with and then it became an amateur sport. If you look at most sports in the United States, they started out first as an amateur. So wrestling and boxing started out as pros and then they had an amateur version of them, which always is kind of interesting just for a little food for thought there. And in the old days in the NCAA and college wrestling originally, uh, you had, you know, about a 15 minute time limit and you either pin the opponent or it was a judged decision that changed a little bit and became a ref decision at some point. So one of the differences is like when I'm looking at some of the rules back then compared to today, for example, today's riding time in college will get you one point. And in 1918, 1920, you're wrestling and you ride somebody and you flatten them out and you keep them on the mat you're going to win the decision because that's how they looked at the dominant who was on the mat and who was controlling the wrestling on the mat. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, like, I mean, boxing has a point system, you know, but not like a point system like wrestling, you know? So like for boxing, for example, like, you know, they'll have an amateur scoring system and then in professional boxing, you have the 10 must score system usually. So like, you know, but you're not getting different points for different things, you know, like, so they're not scoring points for takedowns or reversals. I mean, they're just wrestling and then there's not a pin. It's going to a decision. And that lasted for a while. And then of course, then when they started the point system it's when, and the thing with the point system, and I mean, I love modern wrestling, so I don't want to say, you know, and that's not a knock on it, but with the point system, the emphasis starts to change on the style of the wrestling you're doing. It, the moves that you choose as a coach to coach to your athletes is going to change. An example, I was coaching amateur. I'm going to be focusing way more on our feet than I am on the mat today because of the, of, of the rules and the way the matches are going. So when you start having that over a period of generations, right? Like, you know, a kid today's coming up being coached that way. And then if he becomes a coach or one of his teammates becomes a coach, they're going to start. So, you know, this is why you don't see reversals. I don't think like you used to see. I don't think you see the focus that they're not driven to this, uh, to wrestling on the mat like they were in the earlier 20th century. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that that's actually something that um, is is really interesting, and I think um, it it's probably been uh, evolving that way for quite some time. Because, like, so like we know that there's that famous statue and in, in front of Carver Hawkeye Arena and uh, University of Iowa of of um, Dan Gable and his his fist is up, um, marking um, the stalling call uh, in amateur wrestling but then uh, and if you remember that in in iowa the first time you and i were there uh, for the first frank gotch tournament we met dan gable's coach and coach siddons and uh we in an interview he also kind of uh talked about that idea of not stalling and so uh but i think uh, the overall kind of idea of original professional catch wrestling not necessarily that there's no stalling or or that there is stalling, but you know, some of these matches lasted uh like you know over an hour. So uh, a lot of times like the 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 focus is different between a catch wrestling match uh and uh, some of these amateur matches and, and I think we've seen like generate like I said generations have have uh, have kind of gone towards this amateur way of thinking. Yeah, because it's eventually that's just it's a it's a system of, it's just kind of evolving, you know. And then this is where it gets to, and you start seeing things like, I mean, it would be tough in today's amateur style to set up a, a proper side roller. You don't see even in Petersons like you would because, y yeah, for one thing, the time limit um, with the periods being as short as they are. The other factor is, you know, you. You know, the other guy's a pretty good wrestler, too, so he's doing a good job in blocking. And so you do get a lot of starts, restarts. You don't, you get a lot of uh, stall calls, and you get, like, stalemate, where then they're just going to, you know, nobody gets called for stalling. It's just a position that nobody's, they don't feel like it's doing anything with. So that becomes, I think, you know, a, a, a big factor in it. Um, all right, that should get it. Sorry. My charger's kind of being weird and so wrestling you know you, you can go look at some of the matches uh i think oklahoma state has a bunch of like matches from the early 20s that's about as far as i can find back on video right now and one of the things you will see is you don't see quite as much explosion a you know we're an amateur today you see more of a continued explosion uh it's more you've got X amount of time to get this done, so you got to hustle, hustle, hustle. And it, it was a little different back then. I think it was a little bit more of a two guys wrestle, referee, get out of the way, and we'll see who wins, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, personally, I think even for you and me, I think that might be more interesting than uh, something with the point system uh, because you can actually kind of see, even if there's no pin, uh, like who was ultimately the more, most dominant, right? Yeah, well, even in, in our lifetimes, like, uh, you look at a guy like, um, um, oh, I had his name on the top of my head, uh, Gene Mills. And wrestled at, it was a wrestler, wrestled at Syracuse, was a coach at Syracuse. And, you, you know, um, I think he might have been on the U.S., I think he was on the Olympic team, too. I, you know, if he, if he was, and I don't, I don't remember, he's listening to this, I apologize, because I don't remember. <laughs> but he he was a hell of a mat wrestler 
you know, he, he, uh, I heard him joking in an interview one time where he said, like, I don't know where it was one year in college, he didn't score a single takedown point. Now, huh. I think he's probably embellishing that a little bit. He was probably, you know, kind of joking around a little bit with that. But he was the kind of guy who would just drop down and say, let's wrestle, you know, because hmm. he was, he was looking at being on the mat and wrestling guys. You don't see that like that too much anymore. I would even argue that today, if you don't, if you're not, I don't know many college kids today that aren't great on their feet, uh, yeah. you know, and, uh, and a lot of times I know that a lot of coaches for fact will coach their kids to basically wait to the referee to intervene instead of trying to sometimes get off bottom or, you know, do certain moves. Uh, you know, it's kind of like they're waiting on that stall callers. It's like, I don't know. It, it kind of, you know, so, and it's one of the things I had told you before that the, the biggest thing going from amateur into catch, like, you know, in, in your mind looking at it. And uh, Billy Wicks had said one day, he's like, basically, you can stall in this. You can stall in catch. Mm-hmm. You can't do that in amateur. Mm-hmm. And he's right. And I think that's a good point, you know. Um, yeah. It, now, in what we're conditioned as Americans or as amateurs to, to you know, think is well that's terrible because that's just being lazy but it's not because you understand a stall call doesn't mean like you can get a stall call and not really like if i if i got a guy and he's you know really fighting hard and he's not trying to get you know i'm trying to turn him and i've got like you know a deep waist far ankle or something like that and he's sitting on his you know and i and it's it's give or take, and I can't get him turned, and we're sitting there frozen. It doesn't mean that that the wrestling stopped. You know, mm-hmm. it's just at a point where I mean, I'm still wrestling him, and he's still wrestling me. Yeah, it's just, no, nobody's getting the. We're just kind of nobody's getting an advantage in that situation, and they don't like that. Yeah. You know? yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, I, and so for me, it's like no, let me let me stay here. Um, you know, and try to finish, finish this. So I, I think that's the thing that I, when I talk to a lot of amateur kids today or guys that get interested in catch, I try to explain to them, like, you know, um, you don't have to have a, you don't have to have, when you go behind a guy, you don't have to like have a heart attack trying to break him down like you would an amateur, mm-hmm. you know, you can ride him and stay on him. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you got to know how to change speeds and when to hit him or not, you know, strike him with your hand, but you got to know when to, you can put the pressure, you know, when he's going to go over or, you know, when you can do something to him, if you see that opening, you know, then you kind of go for it. But, um, yes, yeah, so I, you know, and one of the, one of the things that we're working on is trying to actually, I'm going to start doing, I'm putting it together now and trying to get it all, uh, trying to get the eyes, dotted and the t's crossed on it to get it finished up and i'm trying to start an amateur catches catch can uh program in our place um and start working with guys that aren't uh, you know I, I would encourage a kid that age to wrestle for the high schools but then you know i thought about it and this is one of the big problems that i think for catch guys that we have going forward we don't have a feeder system like jiu-jitsu and what I mean by that is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Judo, they have kids, you know, mm-hmm. and we get kids, then they can say, well, 
we got amateur wrestling in the schools, but that doesn't exactly plug in. I mean, that helps, but then I could say BJJ would help to an extent too. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, I want, I think for us to be able to have competitors down the road where we can't, where it's not just we got one or two guys out of hundreds, where we can have bigger numbers who are competing on higher levels and getting and, and, and winning, we're going to need, we need kids growing up in, in catch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think since we were talking about like kind of like the original or more like uh, catch wrestling like style of wrestling, I think that, you know, it, it, like hear me out. <laughs> I think that way can somewhat be a little bit more safer because when we talk about being able to ride somebody, um, like you're not necessarily neck cranking them or anything, but teaching a kid to be able to ride someone effectively uh, and breaking them down. Actually, this reminds me of one of the things that uh, Farmer Burns actually wrote. Um, he was talking about this the same topic. Um, and he, what he was writing is this like, you know, if you're on top of somebody like you, you, you can make them do multiple reps, right? So it's like you push their head down and they're going to pop it back up and then you push it down again, you know, keep doing it over. Cause it's, it's basically like them doing reps of, you know, any kind of weight lifting and they're going to get tired. Right. And so he's like, don't think of it as being so fast of a of a match, you know, you can wear them down, make them do a hundred reps of one move. They're going to be weak and then you can, you can beat them then. And I think that that can be safe for children in a way, you know, cause they're not, we're not neck cranking or doing crazy submissions or whatever. And I, yeah. And I think so. I agree with that. I think it also gives them more of a, a basis on, you know, uh, kind of wrestling on the mat where, we're doing the things we're riding. We're getting out of legs. We're getting on bottom. We're getting in control. Uh, I would even with my guys, my kids, I would start introducing them into, you know, countering uh, a lot of a, tr- a lot of a lot of the common things you're going to see from jujitsu. Um, and uh, Chris Rogers and I talked years ago about this. Like when it, this is before um, my sons were born, but we had talked about you know kind of working it backwards. We're in a coaching method with kids where maybe we teach them to get out of submission. We teach them to get out of holds and avoid holds and to build a block and counter, but not counter in a submission aspect, you know, like teaching them how to get out of a choke or teaching them how to get out of an arm bar or teaching them how to get out of a leg lock, teaching them how to get out of the Nelson, you know, teaching these, you having this just absolutely ironclad, just awesome armor of defense. And then when they, you know, we feel like, you know, they're of age where they can start being responsible, you know, mm-hmm. with it. And, and for me, a lot of times I think people think, well, when you say responsible, you're worried about a kid getting high headed and go out and double wrist locking somebody and hurting them. I mean, when I was in, when I was like in junior high school, especially that age in high school, honestly, if I would have known what I know now, I probably would have hurt somebody uh, just because it was a little different culture back then, especially down in the rural South. You, fighting was not uncommon in the schools and uh i probably would have said hey i know this so the next person that jumps on me i'm going to use this right and Mm -hmm. or try to start a fight you know but that's not really where i'm going with that uh in that kind of sense i think about the the wear and tear that a submission can have on on the human body on a joint so for example you're you know getting double wrist locked or you're getting put in a toe hold 
you know, if you're getting wrist lock, that shoulder and elbow, it, it's repetitive. You know, if it's a toe hold, you could drill it, drill it, drill it every day, not have what you think's an injury. Uh, but over time, and I talked to uh, my orthopedic about this, that you can end up doing fiber, you know, small micro tears within the cartilage and ligaments where, you know, at some point you don't need something, you don't need a, a violent or drastic uh, or, you know, something that's really, you know, explosive in an, in an acute sense that injures you. I mean, because mm-hmm. you've done damage over time, it's just kind of corrode or eroded those joints. So I think that he, I think it's smart to try to. I'm not one of these people say, "Hey, put the kid in a bubble." But I think it's smart. You know, I don't. I know I don't want my sons to have some of the problems I've had physically. So I, I think it's. I think it's smart if we can. It, it can be do or done the right way, without maybe skimping on the, the the main course of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I totally agree. And there's, uh, there's a lot of good research nowadays about safer training methods where uh, it minimizes the amount of injuries and stuff that happens. So yeah, there's totally a way. And I, I think that's, I think that's important. And I, 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 you know, and when you go to the competition thing again, um, you know, I would tell kids, Hey, why not do, yeah, you can, you, you know, I would tell a guy really, if I had a, one of my guys to me, well, I want to wrestle with the high school team this year. Hey, well, you know what? I would encourage it, mm-hmm. you know, and get back into, and then when that's done, get back into here and uh, get back to doing catch, you know, and doing uh, the old amateur style of uh, go back to your, well, to, to the grandfather, I guess, of, of modern amateur, but getting back to that, you know, coming back in and saying, Hey, you know, um, I mean, and I think that would only help, uh, but I do think that, I think it would help us in the long run. And, you know, you know, one of the things that we see, we see a lot of our amateur guys that are really good go to jujitsu. Yep. And so I think that we were approaching it. I think catch has made a mistake in the last decade or two thinking they'll all start coming here or to catch. And I think we've made a mistake in judgment on that. And that's for a lot of reasons. And that's, I mean, that's the perception that we have with the UFC and MMA and the name recognition. And, um, you know, so I I think that's going to take some time. And when I hear people recently, I was asked a question about, you know, can catch wrestling ever be super huge, big popular sport? I've always said this, you know, the mass, you get into the masses obviously would be the ultimate goal but the product has to start out as a good product or nobody's going to want the product yep if you got a if you're a good jeweler and you make a good you know you put together a good diamond ring or you make a good if you're a good cook or chef and make a good meal you know you you cannot go you cannot go to the world until you, you i think it's got to be built properly mm-hmm. you have to have you know, the athletes you have right off the get-go need to be the guys. You, so if you got five or ten guys you're starting out with, I'd rather have that that many guys and them be really good mm-hmm. than, than have 500 people around the world who and 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 and, and who who uh, who aren't 
and then it kind of, you know, makes catch look kind of bad. Yep, you know? I agree, one hundred percent. I think that's always been my where I've come from on that. I know a lot of people have a different view of how that gets there, but and I think we've and so over time, I you know, a uh, guy asked me the other day from England why we didn't have more amateurs going into catch, and I said, I, I think it's I think it's a very a lot of I think it's subjective, a lot of nuance to the why. And I said, but I think instead of waiting for them to come to us, I think I want to go take it to them. So I, what I mean by that is like, you know, my, my, uh, both my kids are going to be in, uh, and they're in our room with me for our amateur stuff. And we'll see, you know, um, and it's not something I'm forcing them to do. I wouldn't do that. Um, I don't like that kind of stuff, but I, uh, they're going to be in there. And so we'll see where that goes, you know, uh, and hope, hopefully, um, you know, I'm hoping that we can start getting a network of where we've had, you know, catches, catch can matches today. I'm hoping we can get amateur where we can start having, you know, the nine and 10 year old kids go out there and compete and not be out there front face locking each other. And stuff like <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree, and that, that, that's also uh, um, something I'd like to see too. And it, it's been one of my, uh, like, one of my goals or one of my dreams to see also. So let let's keep on working on that. Yeah, totally, totally. I think that's important, and I think that's you know, will that be the end all? Will that I, I you know, no, I'm not going to be that arrogant to think it would be, but I do think it is a step in the right direction. But I don't think, you know, I think it's one of those things I can't do alone either. I think there's going to have to be, you know, like I've said to people before, like, oh, I can put on some catch matches in my own gym. Mm-hmm. But they get boring because I watch those guys wrestle each other every night anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, but there, there's a lot of truth about what you're saying about, like, having a good product, right? Because that's like a, like a bad product. You know, you might have a, a lot of money behind it, and it gets a lot of advertising, but uh, it can fizzle out once if everyone buys it and it's like and it, and it breaks, right? Yeah, so. yeah, and I, and I do believe that sometimes you got to go out on a limb and you got to take those chances and go for things in life, and life's a risk, and I get that. But I think there's also being smart about it and being calculating and saying, hey, you know, you don't go and challenge Muhammad Ali until you know you're asking really go in there and give him a challenge. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you don't go out there and say, you know, if you go out there and, you know, things kind of don't look as good or, you know, you go out there, you get a catch as catch can guy and you're like, oh, this is the greatest catch as catch can we got. We got right now on the planet. And then he, you know, just gets devoured or something and, and a match and it's not close. And this, I mean, I've said it, you know, many of times that I understand why jujitsu sometimes a lot of uh, on social media, some jujitsu guys will take shots at us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I've always said, you know, we've always been able to back that up uh, in my gym, but you know, I, but I also get it too because it's like, yeah, I don't know what kind of you know, we'll see. I, mean, I just see a lot of crazy things. They, they get uh, a catch stamp on them. And I'm like, what on earth is that? Like, I mean, yep. you know, and so then we go out, the, you know, you get a guy who goes out there and, you know, uh, and I, and it's like even the, and I think like the Gracies and like some of the, the Brazilians are really smart on the way they would do, you know, they're, they would have guys that competed. They're, they're athletes that went and fought. And then they had their coaches that coached. They had it pretty well organized. And I, I think they were pretty smart in the way they, the way they approached that. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And another thing too, I think we're I'm, I'm seeing more and more, especially in the comments um, for some of our videos where people are 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 saying, and I don't want to say claiming, right? But they're like, I've been doing catch wrestling for so long with uh, such and such a coach, but it's like, um, I, I don't, I don't know who you are or your coach. And, sure. uh, <laughs> sure. and yeah, and I mean, I'll tell people that too. Like, I'm not saying somebody's not, you know, legitimate, like, but I know, like, I've been, you know, trying to be involved, at least in catch wrestling, you know, my entire adulthood. Mm-hmm. So, more often than not, I, for lack of better words, I run into more slightly fraudulent, dishonest claims than uh, I have uh, probably legit ones. Yeah. And could really, like, so, like, from a lot of people I had trained, had experienced with or had seen, I noticed a, a I mean, it, we're, not, we're not even talking, like, a, a little bit, we're talking an astronomical difference in you know, being in a room and on the map and having Billy Wicks coaching you and then and being on the map with him and then having, you know, I mean, I, I knew when a guy was, who was 68, 67, 67, 68 years old when I met him, could barely get around then. He could grab you, you know, it wasn't a huge guy, going to grab you with a double wrist lock or something. You feel like your whole arm's like just about to be <laughs> not broken, but like I, it feels like you're about to have my arm severed. You know, like, damn, he's cutting through my arm. What the hell is he doing, you know? And and then understanding when he told me, like, oh, yeah. Like, all these other things are, you know, these holes you're doing, like, he goes, yeah, we didn't, he goes, we didn't do that. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, he he didn't see a knee bar until, until modern times, you know? Yeah. I, 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 uh, he, he, that was not something he taught. And I don't get into the, I'm not, you know, I'm not interested in having a debate with people like, well, I, I trained to catch and we didn't even, I, you know, I mean, I know knee bars. I, I trained with other people, you know, besides Pops and I know knee bars and hill hooks and Achilles locks, but it wasn't his staple and it wasn't like, you know, it, it really was, like, I guess, the first person who really put that emphasis on me that even having some amateur experience he put that emphasis on me like look you gotta be able to you know you gotta be able to wrestle and like he said if you can control most people you're gonna beat most people so mm-hmm. it, it turned out that if he's wrong so far it's worked you know so we try to keep doing that and, and coaching that way yeah yeah that sounds great Actually, um, I kind of want to talk about something that uh, I think is kind of can lead into that uh, you've also been kind of mentioning. So we've been talking about how amateur wrestling has kind of evolved uh, away from this original idea of catch wrestling and how like the philosophy and how matches were approached. Um, but you've been you've been showing me some some matches from uh, Indian Kushti wrestling and. Uh, some of the stuff you've actually sent me, actually, yeah, like it does look like the way we we would imagine catch wrestling to look. Yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm not a like. I mean, I use YouTube like anyone else. I'm not a, you know, I don't actually watch a lot of like modern stuff on there, or like I don't watch a lot of grappling tournaments or something like that. I'll tune in if I know somebody competing in it or 
or I'll go watch something and we got a guy competing against her, you know, girl competing against someone. Mm-hmm. But it was a little just area that I had found a few years ago on you just watching at all. And so I was curious, you know, it was different. I didn't know much about it. So I started kind of tuning in to learn. And I, you know, I was aware of the, you know, the historical tradition of the, of the robbery, I guess you could say robbery or matches, you know, that like, especially the British would have in India. And I guess what would be now Pakistan and that uh, Bangladesh and, you know, Southern Asia. And I think, um, you know, so we, we even even American wrestlers did as well. So I started looking at watching some of that, and you know, this what yeah, it was one of the things I noticed really quick. Like these guys are doing a lot of things that I was taught and catch, and like I can see a big, like a lot of the things they do overlap. You know, they're mm-hmm. they share a lot of the similar. I mean. Take techniques like I, 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 in fact, I've seen a couple that they've done a few things that I've never seen anywhere else, like in the states or anywhere that I was shown that I've never seen anywhere. And then I see these guys, you know, in some remote village, mm-hmm. I think it was India, and they're over there, like, yeah, you know, doing that. And I'm like, wow, it's pretty cool. Um, so I, I think there has to be, I think there is a, uh, Uh, you know, and I, and, I, and I, I think there has to be some kind of influence, you know, like uh, with how maybe Catch as Catch Can in England came about, and 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 wrestling over in Southern Asia. I think there's too many similarities that they could have just been coincidentally doing these things, you know. Yeah, and I think also maybe say like if. Uh... Kushti became actually like I don't know if it's like a collegiate sport, but at least from the videos, it doesn't necessarily seem like it. But let's just say, for example, if it became some kind of like Division One, uh, you know, university sport, then it probably could have evolved away from what we're seeing now. And so it's, it seems as though that kind of stayed the same, whereas catch wrestling and then amateur wrestling kind of just then evolved away from the source, right? Right. Yeah. I. I the one, the one thing I had, uh, say, you know, the, a lot of the guys over there that I've been watching or following are also involved in freestyle and in Greco. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's a match. I'll have to go find it. I think I saw a match where they had like a, basically like, the, like a freestyle, one of their freestyle teams like wrestled against, you know, traditional. And I think that was, uh, it was pretty interesting, you know, um, and how they went about it. I mean, when you look at the conditioning too, they got a lot of stuff out there where they're doing a lot of the, the conditioning, the workouts and you're seeing, I'm seeing a lot of, you know, variety of different kinds of push-ups. I'm seeing a lot of squats, a lot of bridging, a lot of gymnastic stuff. I mean, I mean stuff that absolutely lines up with, with what old timers and catch doing gyms, you know, like, mm-hmm. And I, again, I don't think that it's probably a, you know, I think there's a reason because I think they were very closely, it's, you know, either exchanging technique or, or similar, some similar roots, you know, that yeah. come. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, or the Brits were just uh, stealing technology. <laughs> well, that could be a possibility too. So I don't, you know, and I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about England's history of their wrestling. I, I, I think that I had heard, you know, I know Billy Robinson had talked about the British Navy, right? Like, you know, the British Empire was huge, mm-hmm. and their navy would go around and, you know. And I, and I guess it'd be more than, you know, I guess when you're that big and you're around the world, you're probably picking up stuff from you know, a little bit of everything from everywhere, you mm-hmm. know, or wherever you can and see something like that. But yeah, they like, uh, and they, they actually reminded me a lot. Like I, I had watched a video just the other night and the guy, I saw a technique a guy was running and there was in a match and it was a, it was a technique that I see, uh, we'll see like Roy Wood and the guys over there do, uh, you know, that, um, that I knew, I can't remember the word he had for it. Like I, I'll, I'll, I'll sit here and write my brain forever, and then you'll say it, and I'll remember it. But uh, it, you know, it was a, it, it was a, it was a, it was essentially a throw, uh, and uh, you know, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's you know, and then they, they, and then they you know, the guy hits it. It was kind of like a, kind of like a, kind of like a uh, arms, like a arm spin throw, or like a flying mirror type thing, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they were, uh, I mean, throwing each other in that dirt, too, because, you know, look at it and go, I mean, if it's raked up real well and it's soft, I guess it's pretty fine, you know? But mm-hmm. if the guy if the guy who raked it didn't do such a hot job, I mean, sometimes it looks like there's rocks in it and stuff, you know, like, oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wrestling's already tough. No, I don't get slammed on rocks. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a good, uh, I think it's some, it's some good research, or you know, research is probably a little bit, a little bit overstating it, but probably some re- more reading, looking around, trying to find out uh, more of its fruits and traditions. You know. Yeah, so I think it's almost kind of safe to say where it's like if someone uh, wants to kind of see like how catch wrestling maybe should look or something that's like a little bit closer. It's it's not necessarily a folk style, but it could actually be like kushti, right? And I think actually, and I think it looks more like catch than like modern, yeah, amateur does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So they, 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 I mean, and you know, and they, and again, like when you see their conditioning and all this, and uh, and you know, that's where they, you know, where the where they do a lot of the stuff with the, with the clubs and the mace bells and. Um, yeah, they're, they look like some guys that, you know, it'd be really neat to try to have an exchange program to go over there, maybe work with them. And then I had to come over here mm-hmm. you know, when this, you know, the virus thing is we get some green lights, you know, it'd be a nice thing to do. Uh, yep. I, I like to see, I like to see some of their guys compete and some, and some catch stuff and maybe, you know, see some of our guys over here compete in what they're doing. Uh, yep, and uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. That'd be really cool. Yeah, I agree. That'd be that'd be really great. All right, John. So um, I want everyone to know where they can find you online if they want to train with you. Well, you know, I'm on I'm on Facebook. There's probably lots of John Strickland, so that doesn't help. Uh, American Hook Wrestling. Uh, American Hook Wrestling catches catch can. Uh, and, uh, they can reach out there. Uh, I think my, uh, 
phone numbers on there too. So they uh, just don't call after nine o'clock Eastern time, please. And uh, <laughs> uh, and don't call before like ten o'clock in the morning Eastern time. <laughs> like so, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I'm on YouTube, and of course, you know, they get in. You know, with the Catch Wrestling Alliance, they're on their pages. They can easily. Uh, get to me or find me. So, yeah, I'll put a link to you in the description uh, of this video. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I kind of I'm still not real great with all this stuff. Like so, like I'm on Instagram <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter. And I accidentally got on Twitter. I got like three accounts on Twitter. So <laughs> it was Twitter. I'm still trying to understand that one. And then Instagram was kind of like by the I kind of just decided to do that because I got tired of like getting Facebook bans. So I was like, okay, mm. I was like, I got a 30 day ban. Really? I'm bored. So I went and created an Instagram account and then, um, you know, so yeah, I'm on Instagram <laughs> too. I think it's, I think it's just John Strickland on Instagram. Okay, so. cool. I think also too, maybe we'll do some, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to link you on Instagram too, so that people can easily uh, find you as well. So yeah. we'll do something with this video, and then we'll we'll put we'll post it on Facebook and Instagram with the link to your your pages. Yeah, and I mean I apologize for that, but I mean you know I'm going to be 50 this year, and I'm from South Carolina, so uh, uh, you know. You just got the internet like recently, right? In South yeah. Carolina, excuses <laughs> suck, but sometimes you know, like it is what it is, and uh, yeah, we uh, yeah we just got this new thing. Uh, we got a new phone line, so our phone line's not busy when we use the internet. Nice. So that, so yeah, that was so. Some people out there might not get that one. Yeah, you got to be pretty old to remember those days. Wow. <laughs> you hear all that with that America Online noise, where it's oh, like yeah. that modem or that. <laughs> <laughs> and you try to get in touch with somebody, and the phone's busy for like hours. You're like, damn, he's online or she's online or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, oh yeah it's like oh you got mail you know mm -hmm. like, gosh man i remember how slow like gosh those days were crazy too because that was uh yeah wow crazy times so yeah anyway but i'll, I'll get better i'm trying to get better with the social media okay cool but yeah we'll make sure to tag you so that everyone can find you um so thank you for uh chatting with me we we had a good solid hour of great information thank you well i enjoyed being here so like always it was a lot of fun Rolf. great okay so we'll go ahead and sign off right now and then hopefully uh, we can chat again very soon all right take care